our Facebook feed is not working this morning, and um, that's okay. Uh, you'll be blessed here, we hope. So we've been, this is week number three of a series of four um, on what matters most with an exclamation point instead of a question. Um, as I said before, my goal is to help you or get you to develop some disciplines, uh, some habits that will deepen or, or renew your relationship with the Lord. Uh, I've, I've been looking at statistics lately, and I'll, I'll talk about them a little later uh, in, in just a few minutes, but uh, we, we've discussed... Uh, and had a sermon on reading your Bible. Uh, one was on prayer, and today's message, what matters most, is worship. Um, I, I'll say first off, I, I'm not the authority on worship. Um, in fact, Kelly could probably give you a, a great description of what worship is um, that would far benefit you more than what maybe I would. However, this morning's message um, is not my thoughts. They come directly from the lips of the one who we worship. And so if you have a red-letter Bible, you'll find out that this morning's passage, and it's rather long, um, Jesus tells us what worship is. And so many times, um, I think we as individuals... Uh, we come to church, we, we turn on the live stream, which is not on this morning, and you are looking for God to do something for you um, and, and, you know, to speak to you or whatever, and, and I understand that. Um, however, uh, I, I have a surprise for you um, You know, I, I'm glad you, let, let me stop, because I, I don't want that to sound right. Um, I'm glad folks watch on Facebook, and, and I, but that's not church, just so you know. Um, it, it's a substitute of, for being here. Um, it's good for those that can't be here, but for folks to make that their church service when they could be in church, it's not the same, and, and you know it as well as I do. And we're going to talk about that next week, what community um, is really about. But, um, the, the, you know, I, I'm glad folks give via push pay and, and, and in the offering as, as you'll leave this morning uh, so that we can, can continue to reach folks all around the world. However, I have a surprise for you. He is looking for something from you more than you are looking for something from him. And the, it, it's and it's something that God longs for. It is something that God desires. And it is, in fact, one of only two things the Bible states that he is seeking. He is seeking. Um, number one, he is seeking this morning the lost sinner. If you're here this morning, we're, we're, we're all sinners, some saved by grace and some not. 
And, and the truth of the matter is, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, he's seeking you this morning. And the second thing that he is seeking is worshipers. Worshipers. And those who worship in spirit and in truth. And he is looking for those who are followers to worship him. And it should be a part of our life a part of our journey, it, it, and, and that is what is relational with God is our worship. And so we're going to go to John 4 if you're carrying a Bible or you, you, you got it on your phone, your iPad or whatever, and, and while you turn or, or, or look it up, I want to tell you something that was staggering to me in the last few weeks about what I've started looking for data. I'm a data person. I, I've, uh, numbers, I mean, uh, that used to be my job. You, you manage 30, 40, 50 million dollar projects and you learn to be about numbers because they can get away from you. It's, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. I mean, it, it just, you know, they, they, you, you learn to be a numbers person. And so, and, and here, a, a few years ago, Barna, which is one of the, you know, the large firms throughout the country that does studies, um, they interviewed a, a group of church people. I, I don't know how many. I, I probably could have found out. But these were not folks off of the street. They went into churches and, and collected data from church people. And, and here is what he found. 19%. 19% of church people, those that claim to be followers of Christ, read their Bible. I don't know what that says to you, but that's staggering to me. Only 19% read their Bible. 2%, that's about two of us, maybe it would be in this room this morning. I don't know how many's here. I haven't got the that data back yet, but 2% of church people have led someone to Christ. 2%, 2 out of 100. 32% of people say they have never or have ever experienced the Holy Spirit presence in a service. <laughs> I had to ask myself, what in the world's going on in the churches throughout the United States? I mean, you think about that. The other two-thirds could not describe legitimately what worship is. I just, it's one reason I thank God that, that inevitably everybody that Michael and I uh, visit said, tell us two things. I felt loved when I was in that church and welcomed, and, and I, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, it, it makes me appreciate what, what goes on here. And, but you think about those numbers uh, another part of the survey was 50%, 50% of the 
stated worship is not a priority in their Christian walk. <laughs> man, oh man. Uh, that's sad, people. Just reading those numbers is enough to, to make us ought to mourn, you know, when you think about the state that the church is in in this country. Um, I, I'm not talking about some emotional, worked-up frenzy. I, I'm talking about just I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I worshiped God. Let me tell you something. There is but one reason, one reason you woke up this morning, one reason that God put breath in your body, one reason he created you, and it was to worship him. It's just that, that that's the bottom line. That's why we live. That's why God created us was to worship him. And if it is not a priority, then neither is living. I mean, my goodness, it, 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 you know, it is why we are alive. It is a gift that God provides us that we have the ability to worship him. Martin Luther, the, the great reformer, stated, um, the Reformation will not be complete until every child of God holds two things in their hands. Two things in their hands. One, he stated, was a Bible. And we're at 19% of the people that read it. <laughs> wow. The other one that he stated was a hymn book. And yet 50% of us don't see that as a priority. And, and he wasn't saying that singing is the only form of worship. What he was do, doing was just using it as a reference point and a context in his day. Now our text this morning is, is the setting is a woman at a well. And she's went there to draw water. Christ was there waiting on her. In fact, he went out of his way to be there because he knew she was coming. And in John chapter 4... We know all pre pretext to this that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. And in fact, it was probably even just frowned upon that he'd be alone there with a woman at this well. But he's there, and this passage is long, but for you to really see the whole gist of the story, I'm going to read it all this morning, and I'll read quick if you listen quick. John 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, it was his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. I think he needed to go see this woman. And so he came to the city of, of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph and how Jacob's well, and now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
For his disciples had gone away unto the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, in him, listen to that, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me that water. Boy, that's an easy prayer to get saved, isn't it? <laughs> I, that just blows away. They've got to know this, this, and this, and do this, this, and this, and pray this exactly like this. All she wanted was the living water, and she asked for it. Glory to God. She says, Lord, <laughs> sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Here's where the rubber meets the road. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, you have well said, have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now it have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, and here's the Captain Obvious statement, uh, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Duh. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And now comes the longest lesson, the small group taught by Christ himself on worship. And the thing that, that, that I think about this most is that she is a Samaritan. He just stated she has had five husbands and is living with someone who is not her husband. And Jesus is about to teach her one-on-one, -on -one, nobody else in the room, nobody else around the well, his longest lesson on worship. Know what that tells me? It tells me he is seeking worshipers, not perfect people. He is seeking worshipers, not perfect people. He desires a relationship with the messy, with those who are all jacked up and folks whose lives are messed up. He wants a relationship foremost before you try to get all things cleaned up, straightened up, before you try to get all things fixed. He's looking for worshipers, seeking, it said. He knows you are not perfect, and he knows he knows you are not going to stay perfect, and, but he wants you, you, in his presence. And, and, you know, sorry, 
But it's not necessary to get everything fixed before you worship God and ask for the living water. I mean, that's just a point that sometimes we overlook in this passage. He knows, he knows that we're not perfect people. He desires you to read your Bible. He desires you to pray. He desires you to worship. Because if you abide in Him and maintain a relationship, He, the Holy Spirit, will transform your life. It's just that simple. It's not about what you can do. It's about what He can do in and through you. As He even stated, in. He talked about this living water in us. And so He knows that we cannot keep ourselves perfect and maintain that, 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 that what we want to call as holiness and righteousness. So the Holy Spirit will transform your life. And that is why what matters most, what matters most is that we do first things first, and that is read our Bible and pray, and, and in fact that we have a devotion we have a quiet time. We pray and we worship because relational Christianity transforms us. It is a metamorphosis that we really can't comprehend. Religion tries to change it from a metamorphosis. They want to give you a list. Say, you do this, 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 and this. And yet if we have relational Christianity, it's a metamorphosis that we can't comprehend. It's like that butterfly. We're just transformed and transcends us into likeness of Christ because we have a relationship with Him. It's not a to-do list. It's not a straighten up and fly right. And what I'm trying to teach you leads you to the plan that God has and the purpose for your life. It leads you to holiness. That is sustainable. Not I'm trying to do better, but Holy Spirit in you guides you. And it's sustainable because it is not I, but Christ that lives in and through me. How? How's that happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of you. It's unbelievable. It, 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 it is unbelievable. And the more you read, the more you pray, the more you worship, the more like Christ you become. It is the beauty of the gospel of grace. It's a free gift, nothing you can do or live by to earn it. If you'll just read your Bible once you get saved, you'll pray and ask God to forgive you, confess your sin. What was that woman doing? She's confessing. <laughs> Lord, I, you're right, I've got five husbands. He was drawing that confession out of her. If you read your Bible and you pray and you worship, and, and you'll see that your life transformed to be more like Christ. It's the beauty of the cross. It's the truth of the gospel. The way that he made a way when you couldn't. Get your life fixed. You can try from now on to get your life fixed and you're still going to struggle. 
But you put your faith and trust in Christ, and the hope of it all is in Him, not in you. Because the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in you, all hope's lost in your life if, if you're trying to make it. It's gone. And I hope you see what she saw. Give me this water. Man, oh man. Let's pick back up where I left off. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. And here's, here comes the text for the worship. When you will neither... When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. When true worshipers. Oh by the way. If there's true worshipers. Then there's got to be false worshipers. And some of this stuff that we think is worship is not true worship. The time is now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking. There's what I was telling you about. He's seeking such to worship Him. There it is. God's seeking you as a child of His, to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That's why it's important that folks say, I felt the Spirit of God in my heart. He spoke to me. He drove me to that point. He drew me in to where I felt His presence. God is spirit, and those worshiping him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Boom, just drop the mic right there, it's done. <laughs> you just met the great I am is what I'd like to say to her. Wow. So what is truth of worship? What is it? Worship is relational Christianity with God, the Holy Spirit. That is a life of loving. It is a life of delighting in God by what you say, by what you think, the way you live, the things you sing, how you give, what you do daily, hour by hour and minute by minute. Your worship, by the way, is portrayed on Facebook. And if it's garbage and you're supporting things and saying things and doing things, it speaks of how you're worshiping God. Pretty simple. It's hour by hour and minute by minute. What you do daily is your worship for God. It is not attending church, and I'm not playing down attending church. It is not coming here and singing a few songs and working yourself up emotionally, though it can be. 
It is not putting five bucks in the offering plate and walking out and saying, whoopee, I went to church today and that was good. That's not worship. It is a life of joy in Christ. And it just shows when you come to church in the way that you worship and participate. And some people may participate with a scour and sit quiet. But others may get up and dance and clap their hands and praise God. One of the sweetest things I ever saw, we went to Daystar when Calvin Ray had a message. And this little old guy, almost in the back where nobody could see, he got out and you'd have thought he was dancing a jig at the Grand Ole Opry. All by himself, not trying to involve another soul. He was in his own little world. It was his way of worship. His goodness, it, 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 you know, <laughs> sometimes it, it, it's, it, 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 <laughs> it is just that joy that, that you say it makes my day to get up this morning because I know God's protecting me and watching over me. And it may even be you just thinking about God. The reason is that when you think about His goodness and His mercy is more than you can imagine, His grace is more than you comprehend, how can it be? Why can it be? Because He is just, you, you are just as loud in God's ears thinking as you are singing. Because He knows the thoughts of your heart. It is living a life to His glory, which is to the glory of God, what you do and what you say daily. I'm going to give you three words. I've given you one of them already, but the reason is because worship is the reason that you exist. And it's the highest honor that we can bestow on God. And you start reading what's happening in heaven, and you're finding out that that's what folks are doing right now in heaven, is worshiping God. John Piper once stated, missions are not the ultimate goal of the church. And I immediately want to take offense to that. Hmm. Missions are not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is, is what he stated. And what, what does he mean by that? Missions exist because worship doesn't. It makes sense that we go because we want all to know of him and join in the worship. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. <laughs> Number two, response. Worship is our response for all that God has done for us. Not a response that everything going on in your life or all things happening around us. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I was pretty much on a cloud nine of worship this morning when I got out of bed and didn't have what Linda had. I knew Michael was out of town. I could just... I, I'm I'm a, a, 
I'm an OCD paranoia when it comes to getting sick. I'll just be honest with you. I got. I've used enough hand sanitizer this morning. I've stuffed the stuff in my nose because I didn't want to get sick. And it's just you know you gotta stop and thank God. Whoopee! I didn't get that yet. <laughs> but it, it's our response for all that God's done for us. And, 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 and if you make it about the one who is in us, because if you don't make it about God and the Holy Spirit, then the fact of the matter is that you'll lose your song. You'll lose your desire. That's why folks sporadic about church attendance say, they're, 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 they're more worried about the circumstance around us than who's in us and what he's done for us. Your joy, if, if it is all about things and being good and perfect, you'll lose your song. Not because our life is good, it's because our God is good that we worship. It's not about a feeling. I'm going to burst a few bubbles. It's not about a feeling. Because feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My trust is in the living God. Nothing else is worth believing. Feelings and emotions are okay. Like I said, I watched that little guy. I, it just amazed me. Because you could tell he's in his own little world. His, it wasn't for show. He wasn't running the aisles and out in the middle of the aisle dancing and, and doing a jig because he wanted to be seen. In fact, he had moved to the back where he couldn't be seen. But the fact of the matter is, feelings and emotions, you, you can't wait on feelings and emotions to worship because you may not have them. And, and you can't, you know, you can't, God is a constant, people. God is believable. He is trustworthy. He is loving. He is caring. And it should not take something to make us feel worthy of worship in our feelings for us to worship someone that is that way. He's there always, and it's not a program. It's not an ambiance. We can try to create a mood here, but it's not an ambiance. It's not by the loud. It's not about the music, to be quite honest with you, because I'll tell you what, not all music is worship. <laughs> I've been to a media, a, a, a many, many a Creedence Clearwater and Almond Brother and Doobie Brothers concerts back years ago, and... <laughs> They were worshiping, but it was what they had smoked, not what they were. It wasn't worship. Not everything that we think things to be is worship. That is not worship, but some good feelings. And some good music. But it's not a program. I'm pretty sure you understand what cornrow I'm hoeing this morning when I say that. Worship is a lifestyle. And this lady understood. Because the results of the worship 
we'll see in the context of the remainder of this scripture. Worship has results. And at this point, the disciples came back. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said a word. What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that ever I done. She lied right there. He didn't tell her that. She's just stretching the truth of what she had got the living water. Come see a man that told me all that ever I did. This Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to Christ. The results was she immediately went and witnessed. Well, we're in sad shape there. 2% of the people in churches led people to Christ. Witnessed. She didn't know Romans Road. She didn't use the excuse, I don't know Isaiah's steps and I don't understand Paul's passages. She just went and told him what she perceived. Come see a man that told me all that ever I did. She knew what she had experienced. She knew she had met the Messiah. And she went and witnessed as a result. And they saw in her worship what led them to Christ when they came to him. They believed her testimony. Wow. Come see a man. The disciples even marveled at what was transpiring, what was happening. They couldn't even speak negative because most of those were Jewish boys. In fact, all of them were Jewish boys. And he's standing there by a well talking to this Samaritan woman. They even marveled. And I'll tell you what, when you worship around folks, they'll marvel at you sometimes too. Because when you're going through the fire and you're still worshiping and praising God, they'll marvel. When you're at the bottom of your pit and you're still worshiping God and praising God and thanking God that you still have breath, They'll marvel. They'll worship with you or they'll be drawn by your witness. It's why that you need to have your testimony always ready to give a word about how good God's been to you. No matter what you're going through. No matter what your circumstances or your issues of life. There's not a soul in this room that we couldn't stop and say, you just don't understand what I've been through. Oh yeah, we do, because we've all been there. But there comes a time, there comes a time when we have to get to the place that we understand it's not about what we're going through, that God is good to me. Our God is good all the time. 
And what doesn't kill you will draw you closer. And then it's just ultimate. If it kills me, thank God I'm going home. Woo! And it's the same with worship today. Worship leads others to Christ. And you may not know the exact words. To this one, do you think we'd think her prayer was good? Give me some water. We'd, we'd, we'd throw a wet blanket on her and say she didn't really get saved. We'd throw a wet blanket on the thief at the cross that Christ pronounced in heaven that day too. Come see a man that told me all that ever I did. Woohoo! But she worshipped. She couldn't wait to get back to those that were lost and tell them about Christ. And what matters most what matters most is you'll be reading your Bible, you having a quiet time and a devotion. You pray and confess as she did. I, I got five husbands. Yeah, he told her so. She wasn't going to get out of there without confessing that. Hmm. And a life of worship. Does your life, when you leave this room, you know, it's great that we can come in here and worship. We're inside of four walls with people that believe the same way we do. What happens when you're outside these four walls? Are you worshiping God with your life? Because that's what true worship is. It's awful nice to go somewhere and Concert makes it easy when the bands are playing, the music's good. The can't even think of his name. He's got his John Deere hat on, or, or International Harvester that he wears. Crowder, yeah, makes it easy to worship. What is it when you're out there on the job and you really, really, really want to jack slap the person that you work with? How's your worship then? Hmm. Laying down where we work now, huh? Where the truth comes out. of life, people. Worshiping God, that is all a part of relational Christianity. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you get this. Because it took me years to understand what relational Christianity was and how it affected my life. It was God working through me as I abided in him by doing the three simple things that we've talked about. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, and worshiping God. Let's stand.